You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. Charles Burns is a graphic artist and graphic novelist. He's the author of Big Baby, El Borba, Skin Deep, and Black Hole. His new book is X'd Out. Thank you for joining me, Charles. Glad to be here. Charles, I have to ask you, I look at this book, Black Hole, and it X'd Out, and you have such a handle on dream imagery. Do you remember your dreams? Do you dream in color? Uh, probably all of the above. I mean, I, I try. I pay attention to my dreams. I, uh, I, I mean, there's occasions that I take notes and think about them, uh, but probably not that much more than other people. But it's just the fact that I, I, I guess I pay attention to them or, or, or give some importance to them when I'm uh, when I'm working. I, I like that. I like kind of adding that into the mix of my stories. Uh, it kind of. I think. I, I, I like that world, kind of entering that world and thinking about that world, uh, the subconscious, and how images, uh, kind of very potent images, can kind of bubble up out of your subconscious. So I pay attention. You know, um, one of the things about Black Hole, and I was thinking all this too about X'd Out, we see a lot of graphic novelists who use the form to write memoirs. And I think you do as well. I think. Black Hole is a very effective memoir, mm-hmm. in term, but with a lot of the inner fears, your inner feelings right. externalized into right. this kind of surreal story. Well, when you don't have to really strictly adhere to the truth or what, <laughs> what people think of as the truth, then you can you can actually you know perhaps be a little more truthful in a way. Uh, you can address feelings and ideas that that are aren't necessarily things that are manifested in in your life. Uh, in, in any kind of physical way or, or you know, in, in your own personal history. So, um, I mean, that's what's great about fiction. You can, you can, you can tell an incredibly personal story um, that, that, you know, is, is drawn from your own life. Um, that's, that's, that's what I've done, especially in, my, in the later pieces I've done. Well, let's talk a little bit about Black Hole. It's set in the 1970s in, in this kind of uh, suburban backdrop and I love that the way you view the suburbs. I think that American suburbs don't get a fair shake very often, <laughs> and I think you really give them a fair shake. Well, I mean, again, in, in Black Hole and in X'd Out, even though there's 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 moments of fantasy and and uh, again, like you're talking about uh, dream imagery, things like that. Uh, I do want to talk about something I know about, which was, you know, I talk about my life and how, you know, I was raised. It takes place in the 70s because I went through, you know, adolescence or it was the end of my adolescence. But um, I went through that, you know, during that particular period of time. It's a it's a period that I can speak about with some authority. So, um, I mean, if, if I was going to have it set, you know, and, you know, currently, I you'd have to be able to talk about texting. And I don't, you know, I my daughter's text, but I—it's uh, not part of you know the world that I've internalized. Hmm. So I want to—I want to be able to speak you know truthfully about what you know my past, what I know. Um, and as far as the suburbs go, that was that was uh, you know I was I was a white middle class kid raised in uh, in in that kind of environment. And that's what I that's what I know about. And if I was to you know try to 
push it off into another setting, there, you know, I'm missing something. I would be missing the, the, the source material. Talk about re your vision of high school, which is kind of what this is. It's exactly what this is. Right. But it's pulled out of itself, turned inside out. And I, I, were, as a kid, did you know somebody or did you know people who were afflicted with acne or some, some kind of disfiguring disease? Well, not not especially, but I mean, everyone has some, you know, go, go, suffering through adolescence. I don't know. Every, everyone had something that, you know, some affliction, whether it was real or imagined, mm -hmm. uh, whether it's something that, that, that you just felt, you know, I mean, every, your, your body is literally changing. You're, tur you're turning from a, from a child into an adult. And there's, there's, there's things that are just hard to come to terms with that during that, that period of transition. So I wanted to, I wanted to talk about that. And I also wanted to have I, I also wanted to have this this catalyst that would kind of push it into a more extreme situation, and I chose this idea of uh, this teen plague that only only afflicts teenagers. I mean, it's, it, and on the surface, it's a very kind of dumb, funny premise, a kind of humorous premise, uh, you know. And and there's not some, the way it's played. No, not the way it's played. <laughs> but if you if you step back and think about it, it does have, it's just kind of a ridiculous uh, idea. But but for me, it really was it was it was potent in the sense that it does like all the kind of internal turbulence manifests itself physically in, in different ways. And uh, for example, I mean, I, when I was when I was a kid uh, or when I was growing up there was always that feel of wanting to reinvent yourself. I remember like, you know, summer would come and you'd, you'd, you'd start preparing for the fall, thinking about like, okay, I am not going to be the, the, you know, the little nerd that I was, you know, that, you know, by the time I come back to school, I'm going to have a little mustache, you know, really bad. I'm going to have a bad blonde mustache and, you know, that will be the new me. So there was this way of, you know, trying to want, wanting to reinvent yourself. And, and, uh, my feeling, I remember just like having this feeling of literally wanting to kind of slip out of my skin, kind of, you know, shed my skin and, and, and turn into someone else. And I have a character in the story that, that does just that. So the, the, the teen plague manifests itself in a way that she, she has this disease where she literally slips out of her skin. Um, other people have, uh, there, there's, a, there's another major character who has a little mouth on his neck. Uh, and, and the idea that here's this, here's this other mouth that periodically speaks and, and when it speaks it has this kind of it's it's this subconscious voice that kind of voice that you never want your friends to hear <laughs> you know where, where truth is actually you know spoken as opposed to you know the the bravado that you have when you're when you're young and, and trying to be tough and hard and and here's this kind of, you know here's this voice that speaks the truth you know one of the things that i i, I love about um, black hole is the way that you draw faces and this carries through into uh x'd out you really view the human face as a mask, uh, and you kind of draw it that way too. There's a, a heaviness to, to it, a, a real thickness, like the, the skin seems thick. Cartoonists tend to draw themselves. If, if I've, I've been in a situation where I step into a room and I can literally match the, the artist with the <laughs> way that they draw people in general, um, not always the case, but, but almost always, you can, mm -hmm. you can make that match. The reason for that, generally speaking, is that you know the person that you kind of examine the closest, you know, in a mirror or whatever, if you're shaving and looking at yourself, grooming yourself, is yourself. So you have that sense of what your eyes, you know, feel like, look like, your nose, your mouth, your chin, uh, your shoulders. So you, there's a tendency to draw yourself. So I guess I'm drawing myself when you're asking that question. <laughs> but I, some some of the characters really have this almost a almost a kind of an idealized look, a simplified idealized look. 
And then, of course, there's like you know, there's other characters that get more exotic. And you know, when when they uh, when when they, for example, in, in in Black Hole, there's characters that change and 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 turn into something else. So yeah, you've got this more extreme extreme situation. You know, um, the in Black Hole, one of the things that I really like was the uh, the heaviness of the art. I mean, mm -hmm. when you look at this, the page is just. It, the black is so black in this printing right. it really lives up right. to the name black hole you can practically <laughs> fall right. into those pages sure. how do you create this i mean is is this something you create on a computer or by hand uh the artwork is really incredibly simple in the sense that the, the materials are simple mm -hmm. uh you've got a piece of paper some black india ink and a brush and and, and i use a i use a pen to rule you know border lines and things like that but so the materials are really simple but it, the, the look that I that my artwork has is something that was very slowly built up over over the years. Uh, uh, I was emulating a kind of a style of of cartooning, a style of drawing that I really liked, uh, which was this very kind of you know a, a dark rendering uh, using using a brush, uh, and a, I, it's it's a style that was very prevalent in the 40s and 50s, and earlier than that as well. But it was it was it was a style that that I had seen fairly early, and it, it just, for whatever reason, I don't know why, but it, it really, it really, you know, captured my imagination early on, and I just early on started trying to, trying to replicate that in my own in my own work. And I think what happened is I just kind of pushed it and pushed it and pushed it until this point where it started. It not it's not abstract, but it's all it, it has its own kind of unique qualities. Mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of it's kind of moved away from the you know the original style that you know I was I was copying. Um, Another thing too, there was early on. I used to use grays and more textures and cross hatching and, and, and ways of showing a middle ground mm -hmm. instead of just pure black and pure white. But I, I slowly kind of distilled the style down to like pure black, <laughs> so everything gets rendered down to either pure black or pure white, and and, and showing space that way, showing volume that way. So it was just a style that I slowly developed. Now you spent ten years writing this while you were doing other work. Your uh, work do your acclaimed magazine covers mm -hmm. uh, you do all sorts of stuff sure talk about the crosstalk for you as you're honing this style but out there doing time magazine sure <laughs> well I mean it was always it was always odd to me that yeah I was kind of known for doing this kind of extreme you know in some cases grotesque artwork uh, and yet the style lended itself well to you know very mainstream things. Uh, there were there there have been occasions where um, where I've taken on a job and 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 I and I think okay this is whatever magazine it is let's say it's Time magazine or something like that I I did a, only a couple things for them but what would be a fairly conservative magazine and I and I kind of pull myself back and I send a drawing in and the, and the art director says well you know this you know this looks really kind of normal you know we you know we hired you because you know we want this very <laughs> extreme looking drawing so um, as far as the as far as the commercial work in my in my own comics work it was it was always kind of a balancing act where I was taking on paying jobs and then doing my own work or, or work that I had complete control over uh, on not on my own time, but kind of buying myself some time by by taking on you know uh, commercial jobs. So it was always it was always that kind of that juggling act. Um, and I think I think ultimately it was beneficial in the sense that I had 
I had a chance in some cases to step back from the from the comics work that I was doing and then return to it with a, with fresh eyes and, mm. and you know be able to revisit it in a way or get back to it uh, and and have you know and bring something new to it now uh, writing black hole did you write this in the story arc in it was released in installments right did yeah. you write it in installments too not necessarily. I mean, I, I really needed to plan the whole structure of the book, so I there there was always room for 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 movement within the story. Uh, there, I, I had extensive notes, and I had uh, yeah, I had notes and and uh, knew where I was going. But you know, things uh, chapters would get condensed. Two chapters would turn into one, or one chapter would turn into two. I you know, as I was working, I found. I knew the story, but I found the right way of telling it is the best way to describe it. Um, and and there were a few th- there were there was room for there was room for new ideas as well to enter into the story, or uh, you know think, uh, parts that I could elaborate on that I hadn't anticipated. And there was, for example, there was I was t- I remember taking notes on on a portion of the very last the very last chapter, and there was there was one sequence that I finally edited, but I was literally taking notes for years and years and years and years like and it was just something I was like okay and here's the scene where she walks under the bridge and there's a guy waiting under the bridge and it's almost like she has to pass by him and so on and so on so on. so there was there was these ideas that I, that I thought okay I'm getting ready for that and and I came to it and I realized no that kind of ruins the entire scene it's it's a it's a diversion from the from this path that the story needs to take so even though it was like this baby that I had nurtured and nursed for all these years, I had to, you know, toss it out. Kill your uh, children. Kill your it. children. That's right. So that, that, that's you know, that's you need to you need to write you know the story as it needs to be written and uh, and not and not fall in love with your uh, you know all the little all the little pieces. For uh, somebody who's writing a novel, can sit down and write a chapter and revise it pretty easily on the word processor, or even if they're handwriting it, it's exactly, pretty easy. Yeah. If you're writing a graphic novel or you're painting and, and doing this incredible brushwork, right. not so easy, I'm guessing. Yeah, and the way that I work, it's it's the method I work is something that's very very slowly built up. So by the time I'm actually committing it to the page, mm. I know that it's supposed to be there. So it's there's not that it's 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 this very slow process of writing, uh, uh, designing a page. Uh, Getting everything worked out beforehand, it doesn't. It doesn't just materialize. So, so by the time I reach that point, you know, by the time I draw that actual page, it's down solid. I know. I know it's there for a reason. I've worked through all those ideas. Uh, uh, but yes, it is hard to revise. There, there, there's there's some work that lends itself more to revision. Mm-hmm. But I, I think I probably change just like a few very very minor details in the story. Very little. Um, which is fairly unusual. I changed. I think I added a tadpole to the, you know, to page three or something like. There, there's this. I don't know. There's, a, there's some little part there. Like, okay, you know what? This doesn't have a tadpole. I should have put a tadpole in it because that would link it up to this, you know, last part of the story. So, there's, yeah, there's very, there's very little of that. Um, now, your new book, Xed Out, is right. in, co- <clears throat> is in color. Mm-hmm. This is a, a big change for you. And I, I understand that you're a, a big fan of Tintin, which seems kind of 
the fact that you would be a fan of Tintin seems somewhat surreal in itself. <laughs> sure, yeah, it's funny. I mean, uh, what I've I've been I've been showing some slides for the talks that I've been giving about the book, and I and I show kind of this there's this kind of polarity in the in the in the work that I you know, grew up with and enjoyed. And on one end of the spectrum, you've got this, you've got these kind of very classic American comic strips, uh, things like, uh, not the EC comics so much, but the, the mad comics uh, mm -hmm. that, that Harvey Kurtzman uh, wrote and a number of artists drew. Um, I saw black and white reprints of that stuff at a very early age, that as well as kind of classic American comic strips. Uh, that's what I, that's what my work really, I mean, my drawing actually really comes out of that. Uh, on the other end of the spectrum, I, I I was one of the rare kids for my age group anyway that 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 read Tintin because the, the, it, for whatever reason it never really caught on in the, in the states early on. The there was there was a set of uh, books uh, of translations that that came out around the early '60s that my dad bought me. So that was something that I looked at at the earliest of ages and just, you know, just, just internalize those stories, the color, the characters, just this kind of world that, that, that Hergé, the author, uh, created. Um, I mean, that's kind of the strongest thing he did is like really created this world that you could enter into. And I, and, and that's hopefully what gets reflected in my stories as well. Um, in a very, in a very concrete way, I wanted to do uh, uh, I want to do a color comic with this with this new series of books that I'm working on, and um, just because I, I I wanted to try something new, and I also wanted I I like the idea of I, mean, I, I just I wanted to explore that 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 side of of comics of of, of telling a story with color, and I and I chose the kind of uh, very traditional uh, French Belgian uh, hardbound comics that you see uh, Tintin would be one of them, um, so I use that format which I which I really enjoy and uh, use a, you know, uh, which is a fairly kind of conservative uh, format uh, to tell this kind of very odd story that I want to tell. <laughs> odd is, is a, a, a serious understatement in, in this regard. Talk about one of the things I think you do very well. <clears throat> I, you can look at Black Hole and X'd Out as, as works of science fiction or fantasy. I think John Clute would call them fantasy. And I'm wondering if you think of them in that way. And you talked about building the world. Mm -hmm. And this is something that science fiction writers do all the time. Right. It became well known with uh, Frank Herbert and Dune and creating this whole world sure. in the ecology. Uh, you created a world in Black Hole. Do you, when you're creating, and you create two worlds in, in uh, X'd Out. Yeah. So when you're creating these worlds, do you think of them in terms of worlds as a, as a science fiction construct? Or do you approach them as a piece of, I guess, surreal art? I mean, I, I, I don't consciously think about them in, in any of those terms. I, I, I um, yeah, I mean, I, I never really read much science fiction. Um, I read plenty of comics and watched plenty of TV and that sort of thing. But I, but I guess my feeling is that, yeah, I, I just, I am, cre you know, I'm, I'm doing my best to kind of create the way that, that my mind works. And, uh, and then my character's minds work. Uh, for example, in, in X'd Out, the, the storytelling, even though there's kind of this very kind of rigid uh, structure of, of, the, of the story, um, it's, there, there's a lot of odd jumps and breaks and, and uh, you know, juxtaposing images, you know, w which may look random but are not random. Oh, no. uh, I'm, I'm, I'm telling, I'm, I'm 
in a way, it, it comes fairly it, it comes fairly close to the way my brain actually works. I, I when I'm telling stories to friends, I may start off on this tangent that's way way over here and I'm getting these glazed looks on you know, people's faces and and slowly I bring it back into whatever that conversation was you know it's this very long elliptical style of uh, way of telling a story and, and in, a, in a way I'm using um, maybe this the, the character uh, the protagonist called Doug in, in X'd Out is kind of a stand-in for me in a certain way um, I, I'm using this way of Telling the story, this kind of fragmented way of story uh, storytelling, that that that's a reflection of what he's going through. Uh, he he he's he suffered this very severe trauma, this as yet undisclosed trauma, uh, <laughs> and and the he he's he's examining it in this very elliptical kind of you know looking at it from all these different angles, and and the story is slowly you know the the, the story slowly unfolds that way. Uh, this 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 fragmented way of telling a story. You know, one of the things I I love about Xed Out is, uh, I mean, from the very from the M papers even, mm-hmm. you give us these iconic images, and sure. we, we know from from looking at those to uh, as a template to the story. So talk about using these iconic images. I mean, do, are is that where you start with the story? Is just like jotting down these images and. Then it's it starts yeah it starts out in any anything that works anything that comes close to to you know like I'll try anything that works so uh, you know I was mentioned before like there you know there's images that come from you know the the my dream dream imagery or subconscious I pay attention to that um, and and there, there's there's this I mean there's images that I like to repeat and they start building in in in, in power as you see them repeated throughout mm-hmm. the story. And uh, and they take on new meanings also as they as they as they start appearing in different contexts too. And different so permutations. Different permutations. So um, as far as as far as how I write, yeah, it's it's it's, it's difficult to explain. I, I, but I am trying to kind of I'm trying to create this this mood and this this uh, I don't know this the, the, I'm trying to show how my character thinks and 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 allow an audience to kind of enter into his world. I love the way you use perspective in in this uh, in, in this story, where you'll pull pull us close. Where where with Doug, he's asleep in bed. He mm-hmm. wakes up, the, he he sees his cat, and he looks through. There's this hole in the wall. It's all very close. It's like a room. And then all of a sudden, we're looking out on these wastescapes. Right. And you like wastescapes. You do a great job with them. I I do them a little too well. Uh, <laughs> no, it's true. I mean they're. <laughs> It's true. There, there's, there's certain things that there's certain things that, that I'm drawn to, and uh, yeah, you, you, the, the story starts with this very kind of very sterile interior situation, and then and then he he exits this very very kind of safe sterile situation and, and enters and you know goes through this rabbit hole, this hole in the wall, and 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 enters this big dirty dark world, uh, and uh, yeah, he's going to be out in that world for a while. You have an interesting way of uh, doing transitions in this book, and I think transitions are really important to you. I mean, in Black Hole, the characters themselves were were in transition, as right. you said, they were growing up. Um, here, this is a young man. He's in his maybe late twenties or something, and he's a, a, p- part of a, a punk rock kind of art scene. Yep. Um, 
but he's going through all these transitions in this surreal dream netherworld where we're not sure exactly what the connection is, is to the real world. Talk about those kind of the importance of transitions to you because he goes from his room to this wasteland then there's another transition this sure. whole no- novel is just a series of transitions well I, I like i like using in this story i've got two major threads where you've got you've got this character who kind of fits fits into the, that world of tintin or, or a more cartoony sort of look to it and then and then a character uh the the protagonist Doug is is more seated in the real world um the world that I grew up in you know you you were talking about the punk music world Mm -hmm. Uh, he's an art student uh he's he's you know we see him in bed uh the first time we see him he's in bed uh with a big bandage on his head Mm -hmm. uh well I I like examining these very these these two threads that that you seeing you're, you're seeing imagery that kind of that kind of leaks into from one world into the other, and how they start playing off of each other, you, um, yeah, that's something that I just find that I that I like examining and looking at. It's really fun as a as a reader to discover this and then go back and forth um, in the book. And this is a very this is a book you will read like four or five times when right. you get it, just to get yourself immersed in it. And it's a really good book to. What I did was I read it straight through. And laid down and took a nap. <laughs> <laughs> these are these are your instructions. <laughs> Pay attention. Here's what you do. First, read the book, and, and then I, take nap. Then, then you then when you wake up and you're not even sure you're awake anymore. <laughs> That's good. Now, one of the things I think you do in both your books is you show us images of images. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's and, true. And this is something I find very interesting. Well, one thing I mean, the important. One of the important parts of the story is the fact that, as I said before, it, it's a it's a reflection of what I grew up with. Uh, I was an art student. I went, you know, I was in San Francisco, you know, Bay Area, you know, the, the 1977, 78, 79 punk scene, uh, and that was really important to me. That was kind of the springboard for the, you know, how I started the story. But I wanted to, you know, I want I wanted it to be about who I was, and I was I was a I was an art student, and there were there were like there were there were, there was a certain period in your life where you, you really don't have an identity yet, as far as like who you are as an artist, and you and you learn from imitation. You look at you look at work that you really admire, and you and you try to do your version of it, which which I did. I t- I was interested in photography. Uh, you know, I I, I tried Lucas to. Sam- Samaras. Uh, Lucas Samaras was a, was a photographer. Well, he was a sculptor, and he also used he, he also started doing a whole series of uh, of Polaroid self-portraits uh one of the interesting aspects of the of the film was that once it came out it the the the, uh, emulsion was still soft and you could literally push it around uh with different tools and it was this very kind of painterly effect but very very in his way in his method he really made these incredibly uh strong self-portraits very very uh focused crazy looking imagery and of course i tried that and and i and i never quite was able to pull it off but as far as as far as like having having that kind of imagery show up or or those kinds of references that's what i those sorts of things i was i was looking at that period of my life um in the in the next story the second story the second book uh, I have I have uh, a, I have an artist uh, Louise Bourgeois. She starts being an important 
an important influence in the story as well. So there's there's imagery that that Louise Bourgeois came up with that 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 plays into the story and the subject matter. You have this. He's looking at this. Uh, he's looking at uh, Doug's looking at this. Uh, Drawing that his his girlfriend has in one of her notebooks by Louise Bourgeois, and it's it's a it's a it's a big house. It's a it's it's called Femme Maison. It's a it's a big house with a naked woman. Uh, she you, you can't see her head. You see kind of arms poking out and, her, and a naked body beneath there, and 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 that plays into the you know into the into the story as well. You're thinking about you know a woman who a woman who feels protected in her house or is she just unaware that she's uh, naked to the world and that's the, those kinds of ideas I found you know I, I looked at those very kind of strong potent images of hers early on uh, when I was in art school and and I still had I still have somewhere uh, Xeroxes of her drawings and, and and so I wanted to go back and revisit those kinds of things one of the things I really love is the uh, surreal world you create <clears throat> and I love maggot meat man you love I'm what maggot meat man uh, he's he. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, now I get it. Okay, the the, un, the unnamed guy. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Now, is that a real language that he's speaking? That you have characters there. Is that a real language? No, it's just something I wanted to have this kind of look of a of a foreign language. Um, so it there's like Persian or something. Well, know. it looks a little bit Korean, a little bit you know Middle Eastern. It's this you know it's 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 hard to tell what that is. Um, in the in the. In the second book, I actually create a, a fake, a fake alphabet. Uh, we have characters that are reading comic books in my next book, <laughs> right. and, and the comic books they are reading are in a foreign language. So I like I like playing with all those those kinds of ideas. So this is a hall of mirrors, then. There's a little bit of that. I mean, again, it, it all it all comes back to the things that I grew up in, in the things that I enjoyed. Uh, there's a certain point early on that I realized that. Uh, that there were, you know, these Tintin books out there, and it was, and I realized that, wow, these originally were done in in French, because uh, I had a kid that I knew in second grade. His parents were French, and he had, you know, he had this, he had like one or two books I hadn't seen, but they were in French, and there was this kind of incredible frustration of, you know, looking at at this kind of amazing looking comic, but I couldn't read it because it was it was in French. So some of that finds its way into my story as well. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, that translation is a really important part of this story. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm also, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I, 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 I like... Trans- people are translated from one world into another, and, and the symbols are translated back and forth as well. Right, right. So, they, you know, those two, those two threads feed off of each other and, and reflect each other and play off of each other, which, which, which is something I enjoy. One of the things I love is the way you handle absurdity. You have a guy who, we see him in bed, and he gets in his, puts on his robe and his slippers. Right. And then, like, five minutes later, he's talking to some kind of reptile creature that's cursing him out with, with complete aplomb. Right, right. Well, talk about that kind of, uh, I, I love your monsters, too. I, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a big monster hound. So talk about the way you create your kind of surreal monsters and the way your characters greet them just like, they see monsters like that every damn day. God, I don't even know where to approach. I don't know how to. I don't know how to talk about that. Um, the I, just, I I wanted to create this world that you don't know about necessarily, but maybe has some. You know, it has it, it's it's part of that outside world. I don't know if you've ever had the feeling where you, if you've if you've entered a new job. Let's say way back when, when you were and you you know uh, like a teenager or something like that, and I don't know you 
you, you enter some new world, some new job, and you're the lowest person on the totem pole, and, and people can speak to you any way they feel like. In a certain way, there's, that, that finds its way into that portion of the story. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he kind of stumbles into this, this, this building and gets accosted by you know, the, this kind of nasty, nasty guy. He gets accosted by a lot of different people. Uh, it's not very clear who, who his friends are. Well, <clears throat> one of the things I love, too, is we talked about the faces mask earlier. Um, at one point, Doug wears a mask. Yes. And it's the face that, of the character we see in the very beginning of the book. Right. Talk about uh, these kind of, uh, as, you, as you wrote this, did you start with Doug as a character in the real world, or did you start with your other character? I think way, way back when I started with, I, I started by wanting to tell a story about my punk world experiences, real, real <laughs> you know, art, art student, you know, in a very specific place and time. Mm-hmm. Uh, ultimately, none of those things really matter. Uh, I mean, I, for, <laughs> Why do you say for, that? Well, I mean, I mean it doesn't, the, the actual locale doesn't matter. The, the, you know, the, the fact that the, the story takes place in this, you know, some, some area, it doesn't, it doesn't matter that, you know, I lived around the Bay Area. It could be anywhere. Uh, for example, in Black Hole, I remember like uh, going on tour uh, and meeting people who read it, and they, and you know, some guy from Nebraska. Did you ever? Does that take place in Nebraska? Because we did that. That's exactly <laughs> what we did. Somehow, I had captured that that very you know that that, por- that part of people's lives, or at least guys' lives, where they're too young to they're too young to stay at you know to to stay at home. They don't want to stay at home, but they're they're. They're too old to stay at home. They're too young to actually go and get an apartment. So what do you do? You go out, you know, you go out in the country or you go out in the woods or you go out someplace where you can do what you want to do without adult supervision. So, I mean, that's a, that's a, natural, a natural transition that you go through, you know, during that, that period of your life. Uh, but somehow the way that I wrote it, you know, captured something to that guy in Nebraska or whoever it was. Um, and, you know, I've sold a book in Europe as well. So people, somehow there's some kind of truth that people are, are, are responding to. Uh, that's not just about uh, growing up in Seattle or growing up, uh, growing up uh, you know, in a very specific place or even a specific time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's because of the way you use this kind of dreamlike and surreal imagery. It's, uh, you distill the universal essences out. So I guess you know. I, it, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not. I'm, you know, the, the. I guess what I'm saying is that the, the the books that I write are not about. I mean, yeah, they they could take place in you know, mm-hmm. the '90s or something like that. But I don't know about the '90s, so I, I talk about I talk about what I do know about. So yeah, that's why I <clears throat> do my best. Do my best anyway. Now, you have a thing about eggs in this book, <laughs> and and all variety of eggs and that's true. fetuses yes. and developing creatures this this is really creepy that's right well uh life is very creepy uh i'm not going to give anything away but if you think about what an egg is and what an egg grows into uh that's a very kind of that's a real core of what the story is eventually going to be about as, as i as i as a, you know a hint hint at it i don't i don't want to tell i don't want to tell anybody because it's it's all there it's uh, yes there's fetuses there's uh eggs there's all these all these all these Fertility images, images from about, about, um, well, I'll leave it there. Now, speaking of fertility, one of the things you do do very well is uh, talk about sexuality in both this book and in uh, Black Hole. Right. You have, you know, uh, 
graphic sexual situations. Right. You draw them well, and you draw them in a kind of a somewhat, I have to say, they're somewhat sensuous, but also kind of creepily off-putting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there's, I mean, what I what I want to do in my stories is, is to have sex is a part of everybody's life in one way or another, um, and I and I want to address it in a way. I want to talk about it in a way that 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 you know it's integrated into the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the story's not about sex. Uh, it's it's not it's not titillating. It's not trying to titillate no. a reader. Uh, so it's it's. But there, I, I think there are genuinely kind of, for me anyway. There's genuinely kind of sexy, sexual portions of this of the story that, that 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 deal with that what that reality is. It's mm-hmm. not it's not Playboy magazine. It's not uh, you know it's it's what sex looks and feels like um, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. So that's what I wanted to talk about. Um, there's, for example, in Black Hole, you've got a situation where uh, there's this guy that uh, he's 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 thinks he's fallen in love with this, you know, this kind of he has this very idealized vision of this girl, and then he and he's 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 has this very disconcerting moment where he's very strongly sexually attracted to uh, this new woman that he meets, uh, new girl, I should say, because they're young. Um, Thinking, you know, I, I I I like examining those things where 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 you have preconceived ideas about who you think you are, mm-hmm. and uh, you find out that you're someone else, perhaps. Uh, the same, you know, in the, in the around the same sequence in Black Hole, he goes upstairs and he's he's in the he's using the restroom, and there's like he's in this kind of creepy house, and there's there's all these men's magazines because it's a bunch of guys living uh-huh. in this house, yes. and there's this you know there's that kind of stereotype of you know the the sexy sexy babes, and they're all kind of like sit, you know magazines stuck on the back of toilets and and that sort of thing. So you've got these extremes of you know I remember that going over to guys' houses and it's like eh, you know all this all this kind of porn laying around, <laughs> a bunch of guys all by themselves. There's no you know no women in their lives except in those magazine pages. So I wanted to depict those those kinds of those kinds of things. You also deal incredibly well with discomfort. <laughs> Gee, I wonder why that is, huh? Talk about discomfort. I mean, in your, you must have experienced it well in your own life because you certainly create it well. And, and one of the scenes I love and uh, xed out is the the party scene where he goes to the party with his girlfriend and things don't work out so well. And and that way you create that kind of whole sequence of that endless night and there are people around you just want them to go away. I think that's really a universal human experience. I've never seen it quite <laughs> nailed that well. Right, your expectations of having fun, uh, going, <laughs> go, go, going out, and and then the reality is like you know, yeah, it's all about anticipation and what you expect is going to unfold. Uh, you know, I remember like you know, sitting in some kitchen, uh, drawing myself in the reflection of a toaster. Uh, you know, <laughs> hoping that some you know beautiful girl from you know in the next room would walk in and discover my amazing genius. You know, like, no, there's no chance of that ever <laughs> happening. You know, it just doesn't work that way. So yeah, I guess I was I was trying to trying to capture that kind of feeling, that kind of frustration. Uh, you know, of 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 trying to be a social person trying to interact with the, you know, with the world and, and, and find your way in the world. I, I love your vision of the punk rock art scene, too. Because mm, sure. Really, it really does nail that. And 
it, it is a scene that is never, I think, never changes. This is something that's been around for as long as people have been picking up guitars. Well, it's funny. I was just uh, literally this morning, I was at the, the, the San Francisco Art Institute uh, having you know, my breakfast up on the roof, and I'm, and I'm kind of looking down, looking down, and, and I'm looking down at the place where I, you know, how many years earlier sat and watched, uh, you know, concerts of, you know, I see the students down there. They were the age I was, and and, <laughs> and they're and they're making the same bad art that I was making. Uh, it's kind of you know it's it's kind of appealing to see that. I'm like, boy, that artwork's bad. And I think, wait a second, uh, yeah, I did some pretty awful stuff. Uh, but yeah, it's a it's a it's a very you know it was a very specific a specific time period, and and I was trying to capture that kind of. There was a very funny moment. Um, there was a very funny moment in that in that world of punk where all the rules hadn't been written yet. Uh, everyone wasn't quite sure. There's all these things that kind of fit under the umbrella of like, oh, that's punk. You know, so this band and this band and this band were all punk and they weren't necessarily, I was, I was talking about this earlier with a friend, you know, there was, there was, there was things that were real poppy and things that were more commercial and this mm -hmm. and that. And everyone was all trying to figure out like, well, what's punk? Right. So, and, was it the Ramones or was it the Sex Pistols? Exactly. Well, it was at least you know something close to that, but it certainly wasn't the Talking Heads or Blondie, uh, for example. Uh, but they they still kind of fit in that whole world. It was all kind of part of that world. And there was also just uh, the, for me there was like this sense in that particular era that the the, the the bands that I knew all seemed to come out of art school. They were the kind of the kids that got their asses kicked in school. The kind of scra <laughs> scra scrawny kids. Mark's mother's boss. <laughs> yeah, the scrawny kids that have been, you know, kicked by, you know, fascist hippies. Um, and suddenly, you know, we're going to find their revenge or find their way in the world and, and create their own music and create their uh, little fanzines, uh, their, their, their photocopied uh, magazines and books and create something that didn't necessarily fit into the into the mainstream, you know, uh, popular youth culture of, of that time. Uh, things that necessi weren't necessarily about peace and love uh, or, or whatever that, you know, whatever was being spoon-fed to everybody at that time. Well, I think this interview has just... Uh performed its main function you just say uh fascist hippies because <laughs> you know what that came out of my mouth and i apologize I, I was at a talk the other night and, and and there was someone like i didn't know you hated hippies i said no uh, yeah it did come out that way that was the that was the last little the last little drop of punk blood that was you know circulating through my body you know bubbled up there to the surface i apologize for that oh no not to worry uh one of the things uh as, as a graphic novelist, do you take on stories from other people? I mean, could you talk about, there? Are, not everybody has the wherewithal to write and or illustrate their own shows or their own work. Right. So talk about the kind of collaborative collection. Have you done much, any collaborations yourself? Or how do people who, with stories, for example, uh, find graphic artists? Well, I think, I mean, the, the artists or the cartoonists that I admire most and, and enjoy reading most are the ones that do everything themselves. Mm -hmm. um, because it really is, when you're creating something, when you're creating comics anyway, it really is this this mixing of, 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 of words and pictures um, and telling a story, breaking down the story in, in, in panels. Um, so, so that's something that, as far as my own work goes, I've never done any collaboration as far as comic work goes. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the collaborations I've done are, you know, things I've done for illustration. So mm -hmm. um, the commercial work I do, someone calls me up and basically wants my look or my, my, 
my abilities as a as a as a drawer, designer, artist. Um, so if I'm illustrating a you know a, a fiction piece in the New Yorker, or if I'm I'm doing a if I'm selling a, a can of uh, beer or something like that. Have you sold beer? I have a lot. I should I don't even know if it, I don't think it even exists anymore. It was something out of Chicago. Maybe like it was some brand out of Chicago. I, I honestly, I'm trying to remember what it was, and it's not, it's not coming to me. I did. Uh, I there was a very short-lived. Uh, uh, there was something called OK Soda that Coca-Cola put out, which was supposed to be this ironic packaging that was going to appeal to the twenty-somethings, uh, and it got test marketed. Uh, I did some cans. Uh, Dan Klaus did some cans. Another cartoonist, and then uh, a few other artists as well. And the idea that you'd, there'd be all these kind of very odd-looking cans with a lot of dialogue and stuff written on them, but apparently, apparently the twenty-somethings didn't uh, didn't snap it up. I've been speaking with Charles Burns. His new book is X'd Out. Thank you for joining me, Charles. It's a pleasure. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.